Our reading for today is taken from uh, 2 Timothy, uh, chapter 1, verses 1 to 14, which is on page 1195 of the Pew Bibles. That's 2 Timothy, chapter 1, verses 1 to 14, page 1195. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, according to the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus. To Timothy, my dear son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God, whom I serve, as my forefathers did, with a clear conscience, as night and day I constantly remember you in my prayers. Recalling your tears, I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. I have been reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you also. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power, of love, and of self-discipline. So do not be ashamed to testify about our Lord, or ashamed of me, his prisoner. But join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God, who has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time, but is now been revealed through the appearing of our Saviour, Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. And of this gospel, I was appointed as a herald and an apostle and a teacher. That is why I am suffering as I am. Yet I am not ashamed because I know whom I, I, know whom I have believed and I'm convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him for that day. What you heard from me, keep as the pattern of sound teaching, with faith and love in Christ Jesus. Guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Just as we stand, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your promise of peace in our hearts. And we know that we can never find peace in our hearts until we find peace with you. So please speak to us as we look at your word, the Bible, this morning. In Jesus' name. Amen. Do please be seated. Well, good morning, everybody, and a very happy new year to you all. It's great to see you all. And uh, today, of course, is a particularly wonderful day for the Simpson and Fellows families and indeed for the St. Michael's family as we welcome the lovely Hepzibah into the church by baptism today. I have to say that uh, on the whole, I think newborn babies look a little bit like Sir Winston Churchill in his later years, but Hepzibah has just looked lovely right from day one. Um, but today is a day full of hopes and promise, and what a great name, Hepzibah. 
the only one I know. My delight is in her, as Charles was reminding, reminding us. God said to his people, the Israelites, you will be called Hepzibah, for the Lord will delight in you. And I guess that's our prayer for this lovely baby this morning. Yet for every new parent, as well as delight in the birth of their firstborn, there is also great apprehension. What sort of a world have we brought this child into? Will she grow up to embrace the Christian faith that we hold so dear? Will she be robust enough to stand up to all the pressures and the temptations that will inevitably come her way? It's a very striking thing. I don't know if you noticed at the baptism, the very first thing that happens after the baby is baptized is that she was signed with the cross, the sign of Christ, the symbol of Christian suffering. With these words, do not be ashamed to confess the faith of Christ crucified. Do not be ashamed. At this sort of high moment for the family, we're immediately reminded that there'll be great temptation to be ashamed. Because there may well be suffering coming. There will be suffering coming in some way or other. And this is such an important challenge. Do not be ashamed. It's such an important challenge to stand firm as a Christian. Because even on this wonderful day, so full of hope and promise, we recognize that Hepzibah may well be ashamed of Jesus. She may well even be ashamed of just saying the name, Jesus. She may well be ashamed of his people. Look around the church this morning and you think, well, I can't quite imagine it. Look at her lovely family. I can't quite imagine being ashamed of them. But the time will come. The temptation will come to be ashamed of either Christ or his church. And we know that's true because if we're honest, we know that all of us who call ourselves Christians face that very real temptation to be ashamed of Christ, to be ashamed of the Christian message, to be ashamed of other Christians, and we're tempted to keep our heads down. Now, this morning, we're starting a new series in the uh, Paul's Paul second letter to Timothy. Uh, it would actually be a great help to you and actually, I think, a help to me <laughs> as I speak. If you had it open in front of you, page 1195 in the, the Red Church Bibles, uh, they're tucked in the seat in front of you. Page 1195. And this letter to Timothy was written by the Apostle Paul. He's writing from a prison cell in Rome in AD 67. It's at the height of Nero's reign of terror. And we see later on in the book, chapter 4, verse 6, that he expects to die soon. And indeed, tradition says that he was executed, beheaded by the Romans. And Paul is writing to Timothy, who's been his missionary companion for over the, over the last 15 years. And Timothy is now leader of the church in Ephesus. He's a younger man. He has frail health and he has a timid disposition. Many of Paul's supporters have left him. We see that later in the book too. Things actually look rather bleak. 
And Paul here in this letter is passing on the baton to Timothy with this great charge, chapter 1, verse 8. Do not be ashamed to testify about our Lord. It's that little phrase again. Do not be ashamed to testify about our Lord. Paul is anxious, of course he is, to see the church grow and thrive. He wants to see faithful preaching of the good news. He wants to see the church continue into the next generation. And he's concerned that this young generation will be led astray, either by false teaching, which abounded in that time, and of course still today, or by their own weakness and their sinfulness. And to the young Christian leader, Timothy, Paul says, do not be ashamed to testify about our Lord. And as we've said to Hepzibah, so Paul would say to us all today, do not be ashamed to confess the faith of Christ crucified. Fight valiantly. And let's be honest, we all have moments of being ashamed. I guess there may be the odd person who doesn't have a sensitive bone in their body, who never feels any embarrassment or any shame about anything. But I think most of us will have those times where we want to go low profile. I met someone the other day who, when they heard I was at St. Michael's, said, oh, St. Michael's, that's that uh, happy, clappy Bible-bashing church, isn't it? <laughs> and what did I say? I said, well, I suppose if... If you say that joy in worship and conviction in preaching is happy, clappy, and Bible bashing, then uh, perhaps that's what we are. But the temptation is just to go low profile and say, oh, no, 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 very, very, very normal, very sane, which, of course, we are. <laughs> so it's the first day back at work tomorrow. We've had two weeks off, and we've got this New Year's resolution to speak more boldly about Jesus So we tell our new colleague that we're a Christian. Do you really believe all that stuff in the Bible, they ask us? It's so full of sin and old-fashioned rules and judgment. Well, where does the conversation go from there? Do not be ashamed. Or talking with our tennis partner, we discover that we have a mutual friend and the the tennis partner says, they're very nice, but they're, they're really very serious Christian, aren't they? Well, what do we say to that? Ashamed of Christ's people? We will all be tempted to be ashamed at times. I took great encouragement from the well-known Australian evangelist, John Chapman, who wrote about how difficult he found it to speak about Jesus. And I thought, well, if John Chapman who's not only an evangelist, but he's Australian. If he finds it difficult, there's kind of hope for me. He said, I thought there must be something wrong with me, and I sometimes even doubted whether I was a Christian because of this fear. It was a long time before I discovered that almost all Christians were like I was. All Christians are tempted to be ashamed of the good news. Jesus warned us that we would be, and Paul has to encourage Timothy not to be ashamed. I found that strangely comforting. And Paul is passing on this this baton to Timothy, and we, the Christian church today, are the latest generation of Timothys. Hepzibah is the very latest. The baton has been faithfully passed on to us over 2,000 years. 
and we will be tempted to give up. Yet we have a great message to pass on. Our world is just as needy as Paul's world was, and yet our message is the same life-changing message that Paul preached. Now, Paul reminds Timothy of three things to encourage him not to be ashamed, to encourage him to keep faithful to the gospel. The first is, he says, remember the person you are. And this is outlined in verses 1 to 7. Remember the person you are. First of all, Timothy is saved by God. Look at chapter 1, verse 3. I thank God whom I serve as my forefathers did with a clear conscience as night and day I constantly remember you in my prayers. Recalling your tears, I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. I've been reminded of your sincere faith which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice and I'm persuaded now lives in you also. Timothy is saved by God. Paul is convinced that Timothy is a Christian. He clearly has a great Christian family behind him, mother, grandmother, rather like Hepzibah. He's clearly trekked around the, uh, the uh, Middle East with Paul for many years, so much so that Paul calls him in verse 2, my dear son. And I think perhaps it's important to emphasize uh, today, perhaps of all days, the crucial role of Christian parents and godparents and grandparents and wider Christian family in the nurture of children, Christian nurture of children. We had a show of hands a few months ago. How many people in the church had come to faith before the age of 18? And it was the large majority. And many of them had grown up in Christian homes. How important it is those early years as Bible stories are read, as parents pray over their children's cot before the children can even understand what's being said. The children are gradually, slowly but surely introduced to the Christian faith, brought along Sunday by Sunday, not once a month, Sunday by Sunday, to hear the Bible explained in their Sunday school groups. So parents and godparents, grandparents, aunts, cousins whoever you are, you have a crucial role in the nurture of children. It's also really important to emphasize the value of Christian friendship, the kind of friendship that Paul uh, experienced with Timothy, the support, friendship, perhaps even discipline, especially between an older and a younger Christian. I can remember as a a young undergraduate, uh, a postgrad took me under their wing and we read the Bible together once a week for a year. It was a transformational experience. It was a good discipline for me. I was a bit slack. It was really encouraging. And it brought the Bible alive to me in a way that I don't think I'd really experienced before. How wonderful to be on the receiving end of that and also how wonderful to be able to to be the the older brother or older sister to a younger Christian. Timothy's background is very important and very influential in in his upbringing as a Christian, but the key thing is that Timothy has his own personal faith in Jesus Christ. Look again at the second half of chapter 5, verse 5. 
I am persuaded, the faith I am persuaded now lives in you also. You see, it's not enough just to have Christian family or Christian friends, valuable though they are. It's not enough to have gone to a school where you had chapel every day and where you sort of imbibed the sort of Christian culture just by sitting in the hard pew. Now, each of us needs to have our own personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, as Timothy so clearly did here. But as well as being saved by God, Timothy is also equipped by God in verses 6 and 7. God has clearly given Timothy a gift in verse 6, most likely the gift of leadership, which is why he's in this position. And it was confirmed on him by Paul laying his hands on Timothy. So, equipped and gifted, Timothy needs, verse 7, verse 6, to fan the gift into flame. In other words, use it. I wonder how much more effective the church would be, I don't just mean St. Michael's, I mean the worldwide church of Christ, how much more effective the church would be if every Christian used the gifts that God has given them. I don't know. But verse 7 reminds us that God doesn't give us the gift of timidity or shame. That's not a gift. Instead, his Holy Spirit gives us all that we need to serve him. Verse 7, the Holy Spirit gives us power. Power to do the job. Power to endure. Holy Spirit gives us love to serve other people. To look beyond my own ego to the benefit of other people. And the Holy Spirit gives us self-discipline to get up and get on with the job. So let's say, for example, I've just joined a team of teachers in the uh, Sunday school. Or I'm a home group leader. Or I'm preaching next Sunday. And I'm feeling somewhat overawed by the task. Well, verse 7 reminds me that the Holy Spirit gives me the power to do the job. So we need to pray for his help. Even in teaching young children, perhaps especially in teaching young children. I often think that the people through there have a much harder job than I do here. The Holy Spirit will give us a love for that children's group or that home group. If I just don't feel like doing the preparation, or I don't feel like praying for them, well, pray for love. Because if we love people, we'll want to serve them. And the Holy Spirit also gives us self-discipline, verse 7. He gives us the discipline to get out of bed a bit earlier. He gives us the discipline to read the Bible, to study it, to plan and prepare properly. So Paul says to Timothy, remember who you are. You're saved by God and you're equipped by God. So don't be ashamed. Remember who you are. Paul's second encouragement to Timothy not to be ashamed is to remember the task you have. And verse 8, the task is to testify about our Lord. Now this command to testify about our Lord is repeated in various ways several times through to Timothy. Again and again, Paul says things like preach the word. And the fact that Paul keeps urging Timothy to to preach the word suggests that Timothy may well be ashamed. 
ashamed either of the Lord Jesus or ashamed of Paul himself. It doesn't look good, does it? You're preaching about a Messiah who has been crucified. And your role model and mentor is imprisoned, soon to have his head chopped off. We can easily feel embarrassed and ashamed about the message or our fellow messengers. But Paul says, don't be. Verses 9 and 10, don't be ashamed because the Christian gospel is such fantastic good news. And he, he, so, he gets almost carried away with himself. He reminds himself and he reminds Timothy of why the Christian gospel is such good news and why, therefore, we shouldn't be ashamed of it. Verse 9, he says the gospel is all about God saving us out of darkness into light. How wonderful. The gospel, verse 9, is about being called to a holy life, a new life, a radically changed life, putting our sinful past behind us and living the way of Jesus Christ, living as God intended us to be. Holy means set apart for God. How wonderful. We're called to that. Verse 9, the gospel is all about grace. He says, not because of anything we have done, but because of his God's own purpose and grace. We're powerless to please God on our own. We can never be right with God in ourselves. But his undeserved free salvation is a gift. How wonderful. Verse 9, the gospel is God's grand eternal plan. He says, this grace was given to us before the beginning of time. God chose us before we ever appeared on the scene. Isn't it wonderful to have an almighty God like that? And verse 10, the gospel is all about Jesus and his death and resurrection. Verse 10 says, Jesus Christ, Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. It's all such great news. And yet, verse 8, Paul says, Do not be ashamed to testify about our Lord, but join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. We will be ashamed at times. We will be attempted to go low profile. We will suffer for preaching this message. Because although this gospel is wonderful good news... It is also highly offensive. Many people don't like being told that they are sinners who need saving, even if we tell them there is a saviour who will do it for them. Many people don't like being called to lead a holy life because I, I like the way I'm living right now, thanks very much. And who are you to tell me how to live? Many people don't like the idea of grace, receiving something they can't earn. Many people don't like the idea of a crucified saviour. And Paul suffered for testifying about Jesus. Down the centuries, countless Christians have suffered for testifying about Jesus. And round the world, Christians are suffering for testifying about Jesus. We ourselves may not face execution as Paul did, but it may cost us in terms of friendship, in terms of reputation, popularity, passed over for promotion, status. And Paul says to us, as he says to Timothy, 
remember the task you have to, re- to testify about Jesus, so don't be ashamed. And third and final encouragement to Timothy not to be ashamed. He says, remember the God you serve, verses 11 to 14. Just look at verse 11. He says, and of this gospel, I was appointed a herald and an apostle and a teacher. That is why I'm suffering as I am. Yet I am not ashamed because I know whom I've believed and I'm convinced that he's able to guard what I've entrusted to him for that day. Paul, the preacher of the gospel message, suffered for it, but he's not ashamed. Why? Because he's utterly convinced that God is faithful to his promises. Verse 12, he says, I know whom I have believed. He says, I am convinced that he's able to guard what I've entrusted to him for that day. Paul's faith in the God he serves is rock solid. He knows for sure, he's convinced, he's absolutely certain that one day God will deliver on all his promises. And one of the recurring themes through 2 Timothy is this forward look to heaven. It may be tough now, but it's well worth the wait. And because we often are fairly short-sighted in our lives, we tend not to look beyond today or tomorrow. Certainly not beyond retirement. Certainly not beyond the grave. But Paul says, I'm convinced he's able to guard what I've entrusted to him for that day, the great and glorious day when we go to be with him in heaven. So as we start out in 2015, let's remind ourselves that the God we serve is not remote and aloof. But verse 12, he is the God who is able to guard us all the way to heaven. He is, uh, in verse 8, we can cope with suffering for the gospel by the power of God. And verse 7, God's Holy Spirit is with us now to give us all the power and the love and the self-discipline that we need today to serve him. This short letter of Paul to Timothy is a call to preach the word. It's a call to be a courageous Christian. It's a call to stick at it, come what may. If we're convinced that the gospel is true, and if we're convinced that God is faithful, then we won't give up. We may be tempted. We may sometimes be embarrassed and ashamed, but we won't give up. So let's keep proclaiming it, and let's not be ashamed. And let's say to ourselves, as we urged Hepzibah about half an hour ago, let's say to ourselves, do not be ashamed to confess the faith of Christ crucified. Fight valiantly under the banner of Christ against sin, the world, and the devil. And let us continue his faithful soldiers and servants to the end of our lives. And to God be the glory.